Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Commonwealth Club. Uh, You can find the Commonwealth Club online at commonwealthclub.org, on Facebook and Twitter, and on the club's YouTube channel. My name is uh, Philip Yun, and I'm the executive director and COO of the Plowshares Fund, and I'm a former official at the U.S. Department of State. I also have the privilege of being your moderator for today's program, and I also wish to note very proudly that this program is being held in association with the Korea Economic Institute of America Ambassadors Dialogue Program. And I think you all have been uh, doing the tour here in the United States to great reception uh, from the folks who have heard you so far. So thank you for being here. So let's start with the program. Following President Trump's second summit with North Korea's Kim Jong-un in Vietnam, what does the future hold for relations between South and North Korea, as well as between both Koreas and the United States? Today, we have a rare visit, an opportunity to visit with two ambassadors closely involved with these issues. We will discuss today the economic and political relationship between the United States and South Korea and the outlook for diplomacy with North Korea and the region writ large. It is now my pleasure to introduce today's distinguished guests. Since August of 2017, His Excellency Jo Yun-jae has served as ambassador to the Republic of Korea, colloquially known as South Korea, to the United States in Washington. Prior to his current position, Ambassador Cho served as special envoy to the European Union in Germany, as well as ambassador extraordinaire to the United Kingdom. He was also an advisor to President Roh Myung-hyun on economic policy. As one of the most prominent economists in Korea, Ambassador Cho previously served as senior economist at the World Bank and also taught at Georgetown University. Ambassador Cho is also an emeritus faculty member at Sogang University Graduate School of International Studies in Korea, and he holds a PhD in economics from Stanford University. Welcome, Mr. Ambassador. Thank you. Since 2018, Harry Harris has served as the U.S. United States Ambassador to South Korea. Ambassador Harris previously served as an ambassador in the U.S. Navy, holding the position of Commander, U.S. Pacific Command. He graduated from the Naval Academy and went on to receive master's degrees from the Harvard Kennedy School of Government and Georgetown School of Foreign Service. From January 2017 to April 2018, he was the Navy's longest-serving Naval Academy graduate still on active duty. Additionally, Ambassador Harris was the first Asian-American to achieve the rank of Admiral in the U.S. Navy. He has served every geographic combatant command region, meaning he served pretty much all over the world. And he has received numerous personal decorations and honors, including the Defense Department's Distinguished Service Medal, the State Department's Distinguished Honor Award, and the Republic of Korea's Tongil Medal. Please welcome again Ambassador Cho Yun-jae and Ambassador Harry Harris. So with this format today, what we're going to do is, uh, I think both ambassadors were going to have opening, short opening remarks to sort of set the table. Uh, we'll then have a series of questions that I have been 
that we have put together with some of the contributions of you all and other questions that you may have as well. Um, as, we, as you hear their remarks, please feel free to give them to me and I'll work them as best I can. And then uh, we'll move forward on that. So I think we had a, a t- coin flip of some kind. Uh, Ambassador Harris is going to go first, please. Okay, thanks, uh, Philip, uh, for that overly generous introduction. And after that, even I'm interested in what I have to say. Uh, So let me start by thanking the Commonwealth Club and acknowledging uh, KEI and Ambassador Stevens and congratulating the Commonwealth Club on this magnificent building. Wow, it's about a year old, I think. Right, Uh, And it's a pleasure and honor uh, for me to join uh, distinguished Korean uh, Ambassador uh, Cho Yun-jae to speak with you during such an important time and the U.S. Uh, ROK, Republic of Korea Relations. Uh, during critical moments such as these, uh, I applaud the Commonwealth Club that connects San Francisco with the world, always mindful of your goal to find truth and then to set it loose. As we find the challenges, uh, as we face the challenges that lay ahead, it's important uh, that Americans from every walk of life uh, recognize the ways in which the world is changing so that an informed citizen can help our nation prepare. So ladies and gentlemen, after several years in Hawaii, uh, my wife Bruni and I relocated to Seoul last summer. And let me tell you, there's no more dynamic place to serve as the U.S. ambassador uh, and no better partner for the United States uh, than the Republic of Korea. Uh, I've loved every day of my time there so far, including kimchi and uh, tteokgalbi and bibimbap and soju. Especially that soju thing, and if you and you haven't lived until you've drunk beer uh, and eaten chicken in public in 100 degrees weather uh, in Tegu during the Chimek Festival there. So this year, uh, we're celebrating the 66th year of the U.S. ROK alliance, which serves as the foundation for peace and prosperity not only on the Korean Peninsula but in the region as well. Our alliance has lasted generations and will continue to thrive for generations to come, as long as we together nourish it, embrace it, and resource it. So the breadth and depth of our relationship extends far beyond just security. The ROK-US alliance is dynamic, and we built a multidimensional partnership reinforced by shared values, shared concerns, economic interests, and underpinned by deep people-to-people ties. Uh, Trade is obviously a key pillar of our alliance relationship in the 21st century. Korea is California's sixth largest trading partner uh, in both imports and exports with over $25 billion in bilateral trade. Korean companies have invested in California with nearly $2 billion in foreign direct investment. Korean tourists spend an estimated $1.5 billion a year visiting this beautiful state. Our people-to-people ties, which in my opinion truly sets this alliance apart, continues to thrive and grow stronger. If we just look at California, there are over 10,000 Korean students uh, studying here, adding over $400 million to the California economy. And it's not just college students. I'm told that over a half a million uh, Americans of Korean descent uh, make California their home. That is a lot of votes. Uh, Now, I'd like to highlight the historic events in the last year uh, that have placed our nation and our alliance in a position for even greater uh, outcomes. And this will set the stage, I think, for a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Building on the trust that President Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un established in Singapore last year, we made progress in Hanoi last month. 
Uh, now, we didn't reach an agreement with the DPRK or North Korea, uh, but we've exchanged detailed positions, narrowed the gap on a number of issues, and made clear that the United States expects complete denuclearization before sanctions relief. The U.S. remains ready to proceed in parallel with denuclearization with concrete steps to transform the U.S. DPRK relationship and establish uh, a long and lasting uh, peace regime uh, on the Korean Peninsula. Um, we're also working closely with ROK to achieve our shared objective of the final fully verified denuclearization uh, of the DPRK as committed to by Chairman Kim in Singapore last year. Now, in this post-Hanoi summit, we're looking to President Moon Jae-in of South Korea to work with us in persuading Chairman Kim to come back to the table with substantive and significant proposals that lead to the full and verifiable denuclearization of the North. President Trump has left the door open for continued talks to come out of uh, Hanoi last month. Now, though the USROK alliance uh, is essential, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our alliance with Japan, which is also very important. And it's vitally important that our three nations together enhance our security cooperation uh, as we continue to send the unified message that North Korea must fulfill its uh, obligations and promises to denuclearize. Looking further afield, the U.S. Uh, Indo-Pacific strategy is built in our belief that the Indo-Pacific nations should be independent, strong, and satellites to none. We need to unlock private investment and infrastructure and keep sea lanes and airspace free, open, and secure. The Moon administration's new southern policy shares many of the same goals as our Indo-Pacific strategy, and we look forward to working uh, with the Blue House uh, as we move ahead in these areas. Over the last 66 years, our two countries have laid a strong foundation uh, upon which we constructed an alliance and myriad con uh, connections that were once unimaginable. The coming decades will take us even further. So with that, I'll stop and uh, yield the microphone, I guess, uh, over to uh, uh, my colleague, Ambassador Cho. Ambassador Cho. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Yoon and Ambassador Harris. Uh, it's uh, always uh, a pleasure to be back to Bay Area. Uh, as I was uh, introduced, uh, I had a privilege of uh, studying uh, at Stanford uh, many years uh, here in Bay Area. And uh, I left uh, uh, Stanford about 35 years ago. But ever since I left the uh, Bay Area, I always missed San Francisco and the Bay Area. And it's uh, great to be back. And this is my first time of using this type of a <laughs> microphone. Uh, I feel like uh, I became a K-pop <laughs> today. I, I hope uh, I would be as popular as they are. Um, I have been traveling with Ambassador Harris and uh, Ambassador Stevens over the last uh, one week. Uh, we uh, visited uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and also uh, we visited uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, San Francisco is our third destination. And uh, this morning, uh, we visited uh, Korean War Memorial uh, in Presido, and uh, it was really special and uh, moving, uh, especially 
I laid uh, rest there with my counterpart uh, and my good friend, Ambassador Harris. And uh, I met uh, many Korean war, war veterans. I was born myself uh, during the Korean War in Busan, and uh, I met with uh, uh, Mr. Stevens this morning, uh, who arrived in Busan even before I was born. And uh, Korea's U- U.S. alliance uh, was forged in the Korean War, <coughs> and, uh, forged on the blood. Uh, during the Korean War. And the Korean people have never forgotten the sacrifice of young American soldiers and will never forget uh, young American soldiers' sacrifice. Owing to their sacrifice, now we uh, developed into one of a a successful uh, liberal democracy and also a prospering uh, industrial economy. And the U.S.-Korea, ROK-U.S. alliance has been the backbone for the peace and the stability of the Korean Peninsula. And without that, uh, South Korea uh, would not be able to enjoy uh, the prosperity and freedom where we are standing. And throughout uh, this uh, trip of the last one week, It was really a delight, especially because I traveled with Ambassador Harris and uh, Ambassador Stevens. I have enjoyed it very much. And uh, through this travel, I again uh, could confirm that most important factor to our strong bilateral relationship is not just our government cooperation uh, or military uh, alliance, Uh, but it's a strong people-to-people tie. And I could say everywhere uh, we visited, there is a strong partnership between our countries. And uh, I really appreciate to have this opportunity and uh, appreciate to meet people uh, here in various states in the United States. And uh, especially this... uh, uh, opportunity of meeting people of Bay areas. So I look forward to having a good discussion with Ambassador Harris and uh, Mr. Yoon. Okay, thank you. So I know everyone here really is very interested in in, uh, what's going on with North Korea, but I'm going to put it on hold and hold you in suspense for a little bit because I think what I wanted to start off with was really, again, what they, our ambassadors led off with, with the U.S., Uh, South Korea relationship. Um, Having been somebody who has been involved with with the Korean Peninsula for most of my professional life, I can't think of, in my opinion, how important this alliance has been. So I wanted to open up this this conversation and the questions a little bit more, which is what you opened up with, which was the South Korea-U.S. alliance. And so Um, Ambassador Harris, you know, here in the United States, there is this stream of isolationism. Um, And, you know, there's been this whole notion that we want to retrench back. And there's always been a conversation periodically in this country that U.S. troops and U.S. um, engagement in Asia um, is one that is not important. So why don't I ask you, from your perspective, why that is not the case 
Um, and I think you'll find a sympathetic audience here, but I think it's worthwhile for you to reiterate some of your views and those of the U.S. government. Sure. Uh, Philip, thanks for the question. Uh, I, I think that uh, a lot of uh, the sentiment uh, that uh, uh, is embedded in the question is based on this idea of uh, U.S. first, America first, and is that the right or wrong thing? And I believe uh, that U.S. first does not mean U.S. alone. Uh, I think that we've made it clear, uh, certainly in the Pacific, uh, that our, uh, uh, our alliances matter. The United States has only five bilateral uh, defense treaties in the whole world, and they're all in the Pacific. And, uh, uh, and Korea is key uh, in our alliance relationships uh, uh, globally uh, and in the Pacific, and the other alliances are Japan, uh, Australia, Thailand, and the Philippines. And I think that, again, that we've, we've, we've been clear and forthright that our alliance uh, with the Republic of Korea matters. It matters on a fundamental level, uh, and it goes well beyond security, uh, and it touches uh, all aspects uh, of our lives together. So uh, I'll stop there. Okay. So, Ambassador Cho, maybe from your perspective, as both of you have alluded to, um, the U.S.-South Korea alliance is really more than a military alliance. It's, it's, mm -hmm. It involves shared values, um, uh, shared prosperity, um, commitment to democracy. So can you talk from your perspective, um, you know, again, why this relationship is so important to you your country, and in a sense, what areas you think um, we should be working on or we are working on in order to deepen and broaden it? Um, this relationship, I mean, Korea-U.S. relationship is absolutely the most important relationship to Korea. As I said, Korea-U.S. alliance uh, has been the backbone uh, of the peace and the prosperity in Korean Peninsula, my country, and beyond, I mean, beyond the Korean Peninsula. Um, our alliance started uh, 66 years ago in 1953 as a secret alliance, but uh, over time it has uh, evolved into uh, broader and deeper uh, partnership, uh, economic partnership, and uh, uh, partnership in technology development, and also global partnership. Uh, Korea, Korean soldiers participated in all major wars after the Second World War uh, with uh, U.S. soldiers shoulder-on-shoulder uh, -on -shoulder in Vietnam, Iran, Afghanistan. And also we have uh, expanded our economic partnership uh, as a uh, Ambassador Harris mentioned that we could witness that in every place we visited, uh, Georgia and uh, Texas. And here, California is the largest state and the richest state of the United States. And the uh, United States is uh, our second uh, trading partner. And Korea, I understand, is the sixth largest trading partner to the United States. And uh, our trade with California, it takes uh, more than 20% of our total trade with the United States. And here we have many uh, Korean companies uh, invested 
and uh, 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 I hope contributing the uh, prosperity of a Californian economy. And the Korean companies here are producing from uh, steel to dumplings um, by CJ. And uh, we have uh, uh, Samsung uh, Electronics uh, Research Center here nearby Silicon Valley area. And also we have a Hyundai Kia's Car Design Center in Los Angeles. Uh, I think uh, we can do more. Um, now in this rapidly integrating uh, uh, global economy, I hope uh, to see more U.S. investment coming to Korea and also uh, more uh, Korean investment coming to California as well as other states in the United States. And I'm sure it will come. So we can further strengthen our economic partnership. We are also, I guess, have a great room to expand our global partnership uh, in enhancing the uh, women's uh, uh, economic opportunities and also in space and also IT uh, technologies, uh, uh, cooperating uh, to advance to uh, third countries to build their capacities and also uh, uh, international healthcare systems. I think we have many, including cybersecurity issues. So we look forward to expanding our uh, relationship, I mean, uh, beyond what we are now, which is already very, very strong. So uh, one of the questions we just got from the audience um, so we know both of uh, all, both of you and my, myself included strong advocates for this relationship and continued strength. We know that we should never take things for granted. Um, are there things that uh, we can be doing or uh, I wouldn't say really worried about, but what can we guard against or what can we be doing in that sense that um, we, you know, for folks here to make sure that this relationship stays strong? Is there something that you would have people do or to guard against in certain respects? Um, it doesn't have to be very long and we'll, we'll just some, some, something comes to mind at all. Sure. Uh, I'll say that uh, we, we have to guard uh, against complacency. Uh, you know, we have to guard against the idea that, well, we've been at this for 66 years and, and we, it's just going to continue on. Uh, uh, on its own accord. It won't on its own. Uh, it, that's why I talked about in my opening remarks that we need to invest in it uh, and resource it and be committed to it. Uh, otherwise, uh, it'll, it'll go uh, the way of uh, many other uh, things uh, in, in history. So uh, I would say that complacency uh, is the thing that we have to guard against uh, as a nation, as the United States uh, and as the Republic of Korea. Uh, as I said, that uh, people-to-people tie is uh, perhaps the most important uh, for uh, uh, friendship between our country. And uh, as Ambassador Harris said, uh, Korea is sending a lot of uh, students here. Uh, Korea is uh, sending the third largest student body here, following China and India. But uh, in terms of uh, per capita, I think we are sending uh, the largest uh, number of students here. And uh, out of those uh, students' uh, uh, groups, we are sending about one quarter or even more of students to California. 
And this uh, helps us to share the value uh, and the common, uh, to share the common goal. And, but I think we can do more. Uh, we, we, we can do even better. And also we have a big Korean-American community uh, in the United States. Uh, uh, U.S. Uh, estimate and the Korean estimate uh, is similar, but some difference. According to our estimate, we have uh, uh, 2.5 million Korean-Americans live in the uh, United States. Again, California is the largest home of a uh, uh, Korean-American uh, community here. Now, Korean community, Korean-American communities, the, the first generation has been busy in settling down in uh, this country and also uh, raising their children. But uh, now, the second generation and third generation of Korean-Americans has become very, very successful. I'm very proud of uh, Mr. Yoon as well. <laughs> Uh, second generation, and uh, they are contributing more to uh, 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 mainstream uh, U.S. society. Uh, as a diplomat, I have been uh, mainly engaged in my uh, friends in Capitol Hill and the State Department, White House, and uh, various government agencies. But uh, now I feel that uh, I have to... Uh, expand my uh, uh, effort to strengthen our ties with the state government too. And uh, I really appreciate uh, Ambassador Stevens and KEI uh, for organizing uh, this ambassador dialogue and giving such opportunity. I think there is a, a big uh, uh, and uh, almost uh, boundless opportunities uh, we can strength, further strengthen our relations and the key, I think, is uh, uh, enhancing uh, the people-to-people tie and friendship. And uh, I would like uh, to do more on that. You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for one of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at commonwealthclub.org. Now, back to our program. So let's, let's move to North Korea, which is the, which is the big topic. So <clears throat> a lot has happened in the last year and a half. We went from the beginning to fire and fury uh, and some concern about even um, some kind of military action. Um, and then suddenly gears have been switched um, we have this flurry of diplomacy, which I think um, is uh, it's good to say that South Korea was heavily involved in all this, as it should be. Uh, your President Moon Jae-in did a lot to kickstart all of that. And as someone who um, has been critical of this administration, I am fully supportive of President Trump's approach um, to do something a little bit different. I mean, uh, U.S. policy up to a certain point has failed, mainly, uh, and it seems that if you continue to do the same thing as you've done over the last 20 years that has failed, trying to do the same thing, expect a different result, isn't going to work. So I applaud the president in terms of his approach. Um, that being said, the assessment of the summit, I think, um, has been mixed at best. 
Um, there have been criticisms coming from both directions, which in certain ways means you're doing the right thing, uh, uh, despite advice to the contrary. Uh, some say President Trump overreached. <clears throat> Others say Kim Jong-un was not flexible enough. And in the end, both walked away with no deal. Now North Korea seemingly is starting to hint at a more ominous path, sort of talking a little bit about possibly restarting, although nothing has been done. Um, having been in these negotiations at these levels before, oftentimes there's another story involved, um, and there's a lot that's not quite revealed. So here's an opportunity, I think, is sort of a twofold question for you both in a sense, and I will ask you my question a little bit differently, but for Ambassador uh, Harris, so can you tell us maybe for this audience a little bit uh, background in terms of, you know, what happened, you know, as best you can tell us, because there have been conflicting reports, and then what do you think is going to happen, um, knowing that predicting what North Korea is going to do is always a difficult thing? Um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's uh, probably the fundamental question, right? But I I, I take uh, uh, exception. I disagree with the idea uh, that uh, the president President Trump uh, overreached. Uh, so uh, my background, uh, as you uh, uh, covered in in, the, in the, the introduction, was I was the U.S. Pacific Command commander uh, up until last summer. So in 2017. Uh, at uh, uh, in November of 2017, at the last uh, ICBM test that uh, North Korea conducted, uh, we were that was a pretty tense time, and uh, we were involved in all kinds of of uh, uh, planning efforts and stuff like that. Uh, and in 2017, uh, I could not have imagined, in my wildest fantasies, could I have imagined that. Uh, the president, the sitting president of the United States, uh, would have a meeting uh, with Chairman Kim Jong Un in person uh, and walk away uh, amicably. But that, in fact, happened. It happened in, in uh, Singapore uh, last June, uh, and then it happened again in Hanoi last month. So I, I don't believe that the president uh, overreached at all. Uh, you can, you could, you could look at the number of times. Uh, his predecessors uh, have met with the the chairman uh, of the North Korean uh, of, of North Korea, and that would be zero uh, cumulative uh, over 60 years. So I think the fact that uh, that they had a meeting at all uh, is laudatory. Uh, I think also uh, the, the fact that we haven't seen a provocation, uh, a nuclear <laughs> test, an ICBM test, uh, or anything like that since November of. 2017 uh, is significant. So uh, my takeaway from Hanoi is that uh, I'm glad it happened. Uh, uh, we didn't uh, reach an agreement uh, at Hanoi, uh, as we hoped, uh, but both parties left, departed amicably, uh, and we, the United States, have left the door open uh, to North Korea for continued negotiations uh, and discussions. The ball is in uh, Kim Jong-un's court, uh, and uh, and he's going to have to uh, – he has choices to make. We all have choices to make, and he has a fundamentally important choice to make uh, about his country. Uh, I think that um, uh, clearly he now understands uh, what the United States' position is uh, with regard to the commitments that he made uh, in Singapore. 
You know, he, he committed to, to uh, the agreement of Singapore involved four things. Uh, it involved a transformation uh, of the U.S.-North uh, Korean relationship, uh, work for a peaceful regime on the Korean Peninsula, uh, complete denuclearization uh, of the Korean Peninsula, uh, and a continued effort to recover the remains of soldiers uh, uh, and troops lost during the Korean War. Uh, and so uh, he now understands uh, what complete denuclearization means. Uh, and now, again, uh, he has time to reflect on that, and he has choices to make. So I think while the Hanoi summit wasn't, uh, didn't achieve the outcomes that we hoped, uh, the fact they met at all is a plus, and the fact that he, under- he Kim Jong-un, now understands what the United States truly wants uh, and expects uh, I think that's a positive, and, uh, and I prefer to dwell on the positive instead of the negative uh, and uh, move forward with that. So, Ambassador Joe, within that context here, uh, not that uh, oftentimes South Korea has insight with respect to North Korea, which I find actually um, very, very useful and unique. And at the same time, you are involved in inter-Korean um, inter-Korean dialogue, which I think is a really important piece of the U.S. Mm-hmm. North Korea sort of dialogue that's going on. Um, and in certain ways, that has proceeded, uh, although it's sort of a beta limit, it went very quickly, and then the, North, then the U.S. negotiations proceeded very quickly. What do you think is North Korea's sort of objective in engaging South Korea, and how do you see the U.S. and the United States uh, coordinating um, their work, or what are the things that they have to be worried about, both the United States and, and South Korea? Uh, as you know, that uh, when President Moon took office uh, in May uh, 2017, uh, he uh, consistently sent a message to North Korea that uh, we want dialogue, and uh, we want uh, to resolve these nuclear problems through diplomatic effort. And at that time, as uh, Ambassador Harris mentioned, uh, some uh, uh, many people worried about the possibility, even possibility of the war, and uh, very uh, uh, rough rhetorics were exchanged, fire and furies. And uh, for South Koreans, uh, war cannot be an option at all. We had a, a, a very uh, disastrous war seven decades ago, and uh, we do not want to repeat that war again at all. The only option we have is to resolve this problem through a peaceful manner. So. President uh, Moon, as soon, uh, as soon as he took office, sent a consistently uh, the message that we are prepared to have a dialogue and we are prepared to have a cooperative uh, uh, relations. And our goal is not uh, the collapse of the North Korean regime, but a peaceful coexistence. And he... Uh, made this uh, message clear when he visited uh, Berlin and then uh, in various occasions. And then 
Kim Jong-un, the chairman uh, uh, Kim, uh, replied to this uh, message in his uh, New Year address of 2018. And uh, he took the window of opportunities of uh, 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 starting dialogue by sending his athlete to Pyeongchang Winter Olympics, which were held in February uh, last year. So from there on, uh, dialogue uh, process uh, started, and we exchanged the special envoys. And then uh, over the last one year, I mean, uh, within last one year, we had three inter-Korean summit meetings, which were unprecedented. And also uh, historic uh, U.S.-North Korean summit. And uh, uh, again, uh, including Hanoi, we have seen two uh, U.S.-North Korean summit meetings, which was really historical. Uh, through the exchanges of special envoys, uh, North Koreans uh, uh, gave us the message that uh, he, uh, Chairman Kim wants to meet uh, President Trump and want to uh, start dialogue with the United States. So our special envoy uh, about this time last year uh, visited here and I went to uh, brief uh, the result of uh, our special envoy's visit to Pyongyang uh, to President Trump. And then President Trump uh, decided to have the first historical summit meeting. Now, uh, since the uh, Pyeongchang Olympics, uh, as you uh, mentioned, uh, Mr. Yun, that uh, our uh, uh, progress in dialogue and uh, 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 meetings has uh, gone quite uh, fast. Mm. But uh, we understand the ultimate goal uh, of North Korea is to improve the relationship with the United States. And uh, through us, actually, Korea, uh, we uh, think we should play the role of facilitating the U.S.-North Korean dialogue. And uh, to me, it's uh, very clear why uh, Chairman Kim wants dialogue and the improvement of a relation with the United States. Because uh, without uh, improving relationship with the United States, North Korea will continuously be isolated and uh, they would not be able to improve their economic situation at all. Now the relative dominance of the United States in the global community uh, has somewhat uh, reduced since the Second World War. But still, USA is absolutely the most important country in the world. And uh, U.S. Uh, dominance in the financial service network. Dollar is uh, your money, but at the same time, it's uh, international currency. And the uh, U.S. is controlling, well, I should not say controlling. Uh, without the U.S. approval, I worked in the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. Nothing can be done. 
So to North Koreans, without improving their relation with the United States, they cannot be integrated in the international community and the global economy. So I think uh, North Korean's goal uh, to open dialogue with South Korea uh, and uh, uh, with the United States is the same. Actually, uh, they want to uh, get out of uh, uh, isolations and uh, try to uh, improve their economic situations. And for that, uh, they know clearly that uh, uh, they have to denuclearize. So that's why I believe that Kim Jong-un committed denuclearization several times clearly and then started a dialogue with uh, South Korea and through that to United States. And uh, now uh, we uh, started this, uh, what we call is a peace process of the last one year. Uh, depending on how you see, uh, we may go fast or slow, but uh, in my view, this train is already on the move. Okay? And uh, nobody wants to jump off this train. So I think we need to be patient and try our best in keep this train moving. And uh, on, for that goal, common goals, and my country and the United States is uh, 24 hours tight coordination and collaboration. Uh, so I, uh, I, I'm hopeful that we would have some progress uh, in, uh, in this process. So uh, there's a conversation that's always been ha- that has occurred <clears throat> with the United States about North Korean intent. Um, you alluded to it in terms of do they really want a fundamentally new relationship with the United States? As such, do they, are they really willing to give up these nuclear mm. weapons, yes or no? Ultimately, when people ask me that question, I say, I don't know because I'm not North Korea. But what we're all involved with is a hypothesis testing exercise here to see if, in fact, you can structure a deal, and I personally believe you can, to find out what North Korea's true intentions mm. are. Mm. Okay? So that is what people, when they ask me, do you, you know, what, what uh, about North Korean intent? The questions that we've gotten here has to do with military exercises, which I thought was really interesting. So, former Admiral, uh, Mr. Ambassador, um, let's talk about the military exercises. General Brooks, Vincent Brooks, who was head of U.S. Forces Korea, said he thought Kim Jong-un wants a different relationship. Um, And he talked positively about um, the military exercises being uh, postponed. Okay, people here are concerned. Is that a threat to U.S. or South Korean interests? Um, And um, you putting on your military hat, give us your perspective on why that seems to be a good idea. Maybe what the parameters are around that. And then, Mr. Ambassador, you tell me from the South Korean perspective how you may feel as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, on military exercises, uh, I testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, last uh, June, uh, I was asked specifically uh, about the uh, postponement of the two big exercises uh, that we had announced last year, uh, Key Resolve 
and uh, and uh, Ultra Freedom Guardian. Uh, and what I, what I said uh, last June was we could afford a hiatus uh, in those exercises for a while to give space for diplomacy uh, to work. Uh, and that's, in fact, uh, what we did. Uh, this year, uh, we have resumed uh, joint training uh, with the South, uh, with the military forces of the Republic of Korea, though the scope and the scale of those exercises are smaller than they have been in the past. Uh, General Abrams, uh, Bob Abrams, who took uh, the reins uh, of U.S. Forces Korea, Command Forces Command, United Nations Command, from General Brooks last fall, uh, um, has uh, stated just last month uh, that the, the new exercise series that we've started with the Republic of Korea called, I'm going to not get this pronunciation correct, but it's Dongmang, which is the Korean word for alliance, uh, that those exercises, which, which uh, that series which we just completed, uh, was adequate in ensuring uh, that the U.S. and Korean forces could operate together. Now, that's important uh, that General Abrams said that, uh, because uh, as a four-star army general who spent his career training formations of troops, for him to say that he is completely satisfied uh, that Dong Mang achieved the results to ensure that the U.S. and Korean forces could operate together against any contingency, and, and he said you could take it to the bank. And I would say, uh, as, as uh, my vast experience in diplomacy, eight months. Uh, I would say uh, that if he can take it to the bank, I want to make a deposit uh, because uh, he knows of what he speaks, uh, and I think uh, we should uh, uh, listen to what General Abrams says. So I'm I'm comfortable uh, with the with where we are with our exercise program uh, with the Republic. I'm comfortable that, that uh, uh, the military forces of our two countries could respond to any challenge posed by any threat, any time. Uh, and so uh, uh, we will continue to do these exercises at a smaller scale, uh, and rightfully so, to give diplomacy a chance to operate. So South Korean perspective on this. You can trust the former Navy head. That's <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> uh, comment. Uh, absolutely, I agree with uh, uh, Ambassador Harris. Uh, before I comment on this uh, military, uh, let me uh, add a little bit uh, on your first part of occasions, the, yeah. the, uh, whether North Koreans indeed want uh, uh, normalization. No, right. right. I believe so, because yeah. uh, in my view, uh, I, I think they would s- see no other way of uh, achieving better economic conditions for their people. And also this uh, uh, North Korean leader is uh, 30, in the mid-30s, and he has to think about uh, uh, next 30 and 40 years. And then, uh, I mean, to his eye, I believe, uh, there is no other way that he can deliver better economic life and uh, to legitimate uh, might his uh, 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 power in North Korea uh, without delivering, uh, uh, without improving his economic situation, and for that, uh, without uh, 
improving or ultimately normalizing relation with North Korea. The problem here is uh, deep mistrust that built uh, over the next, uh, last seven decades through uh, uh, keen military conflict and uh, uh, hostilities. And the question is how we can overcome those uh, uh, confidence problems and mistrust. And I'm sure that's uh, what they want. But of course, uh, we have our, uh, our common shared goal and uh, our job is uh, to uh, induce him and also to push him uh, to achieve uh, that goal. On this military uh, exercise, I fully agree with uh, Ambassador Harris that uh, we have uh, consulted and discussed this uh, quite long time since we opened the dialogue with uh, North Korea. It didn't just come uh, as a surprise. We, in the both military side, has uh, uh, consulted and uh, uh, discussed this uh, for a long time in advance of the announcement. So uh, it was not just uh, uh, the uh, surprise uh, decision, but uh, discussed through uh, top level, uh, top military levels. And also I understand that they agreed and they had a common conclusion that uh, this would not compromise uh, our uh, military preparedness. Uh, uh, This is... uh, uh, as uh, General Brooks said, is uh, to support uh, ongoing dialogue uh, within uh, the framework that this would not uh, undermine our military, I mean, joint military preparedness. So I think that's uh, what uh, uh, they decided, and we fully support their decision. Right, let's switch some gears. I mean, this will touch on North Korea, but let's go to some regional players here, perhaps as it relates to North Korea or perhaps not. Um, A lot of questions about China, some about Russia, some about Japan um, in this context. So, Ambassador Cho, I'll go to you. Um, You know, in the past and even today, there's a tendency to assume China holds the key to affecting the North Korean behavior. Um, There's a question here that said directly, is North Korea a Chinese puppet? Um, and so where do you see South, where does South Korea see China playing a constructive role and, and, and in what manner? Uh, I, I don't think uh, it's the right observation to call North Korea as China's puppet. Uh, there has been tension for a while, I, I think, between North Korea and China and uh, North you know, Korea is one of uh, a few countries, uh, together with Vietnam, uh, which sustained independence and sovereignties among those which he located in peripheral of China. Now, all um, the other countries were ultimately observed to China, but uh, Korea and uh, Vietnam, perhaps, uh, we... Uh, maintains our independence and uh, sovereignty. And uh, that is the tradition of Korean people, and I guess uh, that is the same in the case of North Korean people. Of course, uh, they are very strong uh, friends of uh, uh, China, and uh, as the U.S. sent so many young soldiers to South Korea during the Korean War, uh, Chinese sent 
perhaps even more number of uh, uh, soldiers to North Korea and uh, had more uh, loss of life. So there are strong relations, I think, are continuous. But uh, North Korea, I understand, is always tried to uh, maintain their own independence, uh, some way or another. Now, China's calculation on North Korea uh, seems to be somewhat complicated. Uh, now, China does not want North Korea to be a nuclear power. Uh, China is one of a P5 country, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't want to see other countries in Asia to develop the nuclear program. So they uh, want to push North Korea to denuclearize. Uh, at the same time, uh, they don't want North Korea, in my view, collapse or North Korea's uh, economy being too weakened. So I guess that's uh, the complication of uh, China's uh, strategies to North Korea. And uh, so far, I guess uh, China has been playing a quite (coughs) constructive role uh, in uh, having concerted effort with the United States and South Korea and the international communities to push uh, North Korea for denuclearization by uh, joining these international sanctions, UN sanctions. China's role is especially important because uh, China takes about 90% of North Korean trade. So uh, unless uh, China's uh, support on this uh, campaign, uh, this uh, international sanction campaign cannot be successful. And uh, so far, I think China is... The effectiveness of these uh, uh, sanctions, uh, the estimate varies, and we do not have a full figure to to what extent uh, this is uh, abided by. But uh, I believe China has been uh, 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 trying to support this effort. So, Ambassador Harris, okay, so we know that there are larger issues between the United States and China. We know that the United States and China are in the midst of a trade war, negotiations ongoing. Um, We know that there are larger geopolitical issues and potential conflicts between the United States and China. And when you were SINCPAC, head of Pacific (coughs) Command, um, you uh, were fairly outspoken on some of those um, potential areas of conflict in the South China Sea and other areas. So uh, how could that larger geostrategic effort affect um, the U.S.-North Korea negotiations? Do you feel they can be partitioned and separated? Um, do you have concerns? Uh, yeah. I, I, when, I was a PACOM, when I was a PACOM commander, I was highly critical of China, as, as you s- stated, Philip. And I used to say, uh, you know, we're going to cooperate where we can, but be ready to confront where we must. Yep. Now, as uh, in, in this new role, what I say is that we'll cooperate with China where our interests overlap, but we will vigorously compete in all other areas. Uh, and I believe that uh, uh, there are areas that uh, we should uh, hold China to account, and we will vigorously compete in those areas such as freedom of navigation, freedom of overflight uh, uh, over international uh, water and international airspace, uh, and human rights, 
uh, and in trade. Uh, we believe in f uh, free, fair, and reciprocal trade, and that's the core uh, of the, of the uh, contest that we now have with China, this issue of reciprocity uh, and fair trade. That said, uh, I believe that we can and should uh, uh, criticize China and, and those areas where uh, uh, they are um, um, in competition with us uh, and, and infringing on human rights and things like that. At the same time, uh, we can applaud and we should applaud those areas where China uh, is doing good work, such as sanctions enforcement uh, and uh, an uh, um, equal insistence on denuclearization uh, of North Korea. And I believe that China, as a great power, can walk and chew gum at the same time. They can, they, they can and should uh, uh, have those discussions with us in those areas uh, that we criticize them, uh, just as they work with us uh, in those areas that we go forward together, such as uh, with uh, North Korea. So uh, let's see, we've got some, I want to try to squeeze in a couple more questions and one final one. So Ambassador Cho, um, there was a question, they, so a couple of people were struck by your comments about uh, women empowerment and mm -hmm. some of the things that uh, South Korea is doing. And they wanted you to discuss the dynamics around women empowerment that you alluded to earlier. What initiatives are the U.S. and, and uh, South Korea have in place now and what are they planning? And there was a sort of side question you can choose to answer or not <laughs> that related to Park Geun-hye, President Park Geun-hye, and her uh, stepping down. Has that been a setback for women empowerment in, in South Korea? So you choose what you want to answer. And then, <laughs> Ambassador Harris, I've got one question related to technology and, and uh, the relationship with South Korea. Actually, uh, you know that uh, in Korea, women's uh, participation in various uh, areas has been quite low. Uh, but uh, it's changing very rapidly now. Now, in, in foreign ministries, uh, the young uh, professionals recruited uh, every year about 100, uh, I guess, more. Uh, <coughs> majorities these days uh, are uh, Women, and uh, even uh, all these uh, civil servant exams, and uh, also for the lawyers, uh, the majorities are women. So, although right now our uh, uh, current uh, woman participation rate may be quite low, in the future, Korea could be one of the countries which has the strongest uh, women's uh, uh, participation in various key areas. So we have a no, couple separate. minutes, so we just wanted yeah. to remind you. Yeah. Okay, and, and then uh, for this uh, U.S. partnerships that uh, now you, uh, White House is emphasizing on these women empowerment issues, and the World Bank is also joining that, and we contribute to the Larva Trust, we are contributing Larva Trust Fund, $10 million or more to World Bank and to work with the United States. And uh, uh, based on our ex uh, experience, we also want to work with the United States in, uh, on this issue. Okay. So, uh, Ambassador Harris, the uh, question, we, without you know, being in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, question, uh, we wouldn't have a session without talking about technology, right? So uh, the question raised the general sense of technology, its impact in our lives in the United States. We talked about AI, 5G, big data, analytics. Um, and, you know, South Korea 
is a leader in technology and as well as the United States. So um, the question was, what are in you know, and in, in this short time that we have, sort of the uh, how are the United States and South Korea working together on this to address, you know, what are the uh, not only the positive aspects of technology, but also the negative ones. Yeah, so uh, I, I think it's a great question, um, especially for this area. So yesterday, uh, Ambassador Cho uh, and I and our teams uh, went to visit uh, FireEye uh, in uh, San Jose, uh, Milpitas area, uh, which is a cybersecurity firm, a large international uh, <coughs> uh, cybersecurity firm with a large uh, presence uh, in South Korea. Uh, I think that it's uh, and they are they are trying to get their arms around this issue of uh, big data, uh, 5G and all that, because with all of the opportunities and excitement that I, that uh, uh, advanced uh, IT brings, uh, it also brings big challenges and, and big opportunities for nefarious actors to, to operate in. And that's what FireEye and other companies like that are about. Uh, Korea will become the first fully uh, full 5G nation uh, in a month in April. They're going to go 5G across the nation. And, and there's a lot of opportunity for the United States to learn from them. And we cooperate and work with the Republic on areas like uh, AI, uh, 5, 5G, uh, and in space, space uh, technology. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, out uh, in uh, looking at uh, the General Motors plant at Bupyang and the Hyundai plant in Namyang uh, and look at the autonomous vehicles and how that's going to uh, be uh, uh, instantiated uh, not only in Korea but uh, but elsewhere. Uh, and then we spent time together, Ambassador Cho and I did, uh, in, uh, in Georgia at the Kia plant uh, and in Texas at the Samsung plant. You know, the... Uh, Samsung has more patents than any other uh, than in history, I guess, uh, over over the last year or so. They've been in Texas now for 20 years, $17 billion investment. Uh, it's a huge American presence now uh, uh, in, in Texas uh, because of Samsung. So we work very closely um, with the leading technology uh, industries and firms uh, in South Korea. Uh, and, and that's one of the, the, the cool things uh, about being the U.S. ambassador there. So thank you for that. Great, great. Uh, unfortunately, we've reached the point where we have to end our program. Um, our thanks to His Excellency Cho Yun-jae, South Korea's ambassador to the United States, and Harry Harris, United States ambassador to South Korea. Thank you. Um, I want to also thank all of you, um, the audience here, the audience on radio, television, and the Internet for, uh, for being with us. The questions you gave me were outstanding. I integrated them into our conversation as we went forward. Thank you for that. Um, and again, this program has been held in association with the Korea Economic Institute of American Ambassadors Dialogue Program. Thank you, Ambassador Kathy Stevens, for being here. I'm Philip Yun, and now this meeting of the Commonwealth Club, the place where you and the know, is adjourned.